News Talk On Demand. Interruption-free audio where you want it, when you want it. Good morning. You're listening to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. I'm Aaron here with Rick and Jill Van Dyke. You can give us a call or a text at 1-877-332-8255. How's it going, guys? Good. Well, what a week and a half makes difference, right? Yeah. Like a week and a half ago, it was a blizzard. <laughs> oh, this weather is so beautiful. It oh, just yeah. makes you want to get outside. And yesterday was our 70th birthday anniversary mm-hmm. at the Garden Center, and you really saw people come out. People yeah. were buying their hanging baskets. They were picking up some vegetables and bedding plants. They were planting their shrubs in their yards. It was just yeah. asking questions about what to do with their lawn. It was it was a great day, and you could really see the smiles on people's face and the itch to just oh, yeah. get outside. Everybody, I think... I. I went for a walk around my neighborhood yesterday and I think every, at least every other house, people were out there raking, doing something with the garden, yeah. their lawn, anything, I think, to be outside. Well, last last Sunday, I was flying home from Winnipeg and there was just snow everywhere, <laughs> like snow everywhere. <laughs> and and now I was walking around here today and, and you know, you see the the, buck, the sea buckthorns, the, fl- the, fl- the flower buds the f- are just about ready to bust open. The choke cherries, all they're pushing, they're starting to push the leaves out already, especially around close to the ground. And so, uh, you watch this, this week, uh, they're talking about getting, I don't know if that's, yeah, there's a, there's a couple days where it's like mid twenties, 25 or so. 26 degrees. So We're just skipping spring and going right to summer, yeah. it looks like. I would imagine. <laughs> I, would imagine do I don't think Ma- anyone's upset about it. <laughs> Maple Creek area will probably hit, you know, maybe even 30. Oh, who knows? <laughs> they're always the hot spot. <laughs> so, so yeah, no, things will change quickly. I mean, I was, I was looking at, you know, around, especially in Manitoba, I says, well, these going to be a little while before you get the crops on the ground around here. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but, you know, it's amazing Saskatchewan. You'd sort of, uh, you, 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 Walk in your front door and go out the back door, and the weather's changed, right? Pretty so, much. <laughs> so and uh, so that's that's the way it is. And so now, you know, who knows? By pretty soon, people will be turning on their 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 sprinklers on and fertilizing the grass. And I know there's lots of people out there power raking their lawns mm-hmm. already and everything else. So as so as long as you're you know, as long as the frost is out of the ground and and it's dry enough that you're not going to rip the grass out. So you know, a lot of places you can do it on. the you can do all that kind of stuff on maybe on the south side of your your house, but maybe not on the north side of the house. But uh, but yeah, it's... I saw a post on my cousin's social media, CV Yard Yardworks, yep. and he does the thatching. And yep. one of the, the cool things that that he put on there is uh, go outside in your yard with your sock feet, and if you feel like oh. your socks are getting wet, then maybe it's not ready to thatch yet. Okay. But if your socks are dry, then it's time to thatch. That's a good way to do yeah. it. Yeah, just make sure you take the socks off before you go back in the house. Right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Remind my children of that sometimes, too. <laughs> uh, we have Paul on the line waiting for us this morning. Uh, good morning, Paul. What's your question for Rick and Jill? Well, good morning. Yeah, if I could like get in like two little quick questions. Absolutely. Um, I have a couple of cucumber plants. I have five of them, and they're they're pretty big. But two of them are starting to develop spots on them, like a rust spot. Yeah, so this is would be a fungus that you're starting to see on them, and um, cucumber plants are very susceptible to it, to mildews and into uh, different funguses. So what you want to do is pick up a garden fungicide, um, and you want to spray that on the plant. Now, funguses are spread by spores, so spores. If of course, if you wave the leaves around, you're going to get the spores all over the place, or if you touch that leaf and then touch another part of your plant, it's going to spread that way too. So make sure like you're just washing your hands after you handle them. If it's just on one or two leaves, I would actually just 
prune those couple leaves off. Or if it's, on the fruit, to... if it's on the fruit, it's early anyways. Yeah. Just just to get, you know, take that fruit off and uh, and even you could probably eat it. Just cut off that part of it out and, yeah. eat, and yeah. have, a, have a fresh taste of it if you've got them growing inside. I know that in Regina, they were had at the garden center there, they had, they had cucumber plants that had cucumbers on them as well. And mm. uh, so it's quite, yeah, so... Yeah, you got something that you may want to just, uh, you know, if you have that problem, just probably just prune it out. Prune it out okay. or get that garden fungicide, and that will definitely help. Yep. I find if I have cucumber and squash in my um, in my garden, uh, the garden fungicide is something I keep on hand, and I'm sort of watching about every ten days. And uh, there's also one as a preventative that you can you can use uh, yep. a fungicide prevent, and uh, it's, I think it's called def- defense. Um, and fungus defense, and you can get that, and you can spray it on every ten days, and that will um, defend the cucumbers. Now, now Paul, is this fungus. in the greenhouse or in in the in the uh, in your little greenhouse, or is it in the house? It's in my house. It's yeah. in my front room under yeah. grow light. Yeah. Do you got some air movement around it, like a little yeah, fan? Yeah, I blow? got a fan going. Okay, good. Oh yeah, I'm well trained. You guys trained me <laughs> yeah, well. Yeah, good, good, good. Awesome. I love it. Yeah. So, so if I could get to the next one, yeah. mm-hmm. um, I planted seed. Uh, in the fall, grass seed, yep. heavy, heavy seeding. Now, I shouldn't be raking out there yet, should I? Um, no, the only time I'd rake out there now, because the seed wouldn't have germinated yet, okay, the waters, because you put it down late in the fall, I would imagine, right? Yep. And so uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go out there because the I have an area I did the same thing as you, but I have a, some areas where the deer came in and, and all those deer marks and or the dog went chasing a ball or something <laughs> like that. And so I'm going to go out there with a rake and just just touch up those areas. That won't matter right now. Uh, you know, after this, maybe after this after this week, you know, you might get some germination, but uh, otherwise you're safe to do that yet. To now, just, if you're touching up those areas, you're just raking it to make it level again, and then yep. are you reapplying some more grass seed, or nope, is, no, there's enough grass seed there's enough seed grass there. seed there okay. that'll be fine. Perfect. Okay. Well, thank you so much for your time. You're welcome. You have a wonderful day. You too. All right. We have Anne in Humboldt on the line. Good morning, Anne. What's your question for Rick and Jill? Uh, I plan on using some of my Viking uh, tomatoes, uh, potatoes, for my uh, seeds. Yep. But they have long, some of them have really long sprouts on them. Yep. So what do I do? Do I de-sprout them yeah, just, or do uh, I plant them like that? You, you, I mean, 12 inches, they, the, some of these sprouts are. I, I would, you could, there's two ways you can do it. One, you can just leave them in there or one, you can trim them back. Okay. Either way. Um, okay. So if you, trim, if you leave them in there, you just sort of make a bigger hole and you just sort of lay them down and then, you know, let them grow. I mean, that's fine. Or you can trim them back and leave, only leave them a couple inches long if you want, and uh, they'll put out new sprouts. It's not a problem. Okay. Would it matter if I took the sprouts right off? Nope, not at all. It'll put new ones out. Now, can you okay. snap those sprouts off right at the base or can yeah. you cut them right? Just You have to cut them no, off. You can snap them off, cut them off, whatever you want to okay. do. It won't okay. hurt them. The other thing is, uh, with the smaller potatoes that I have, is it better to plant them whole, or should I make if, a cut? If they're small, they're small. Just plant them whole. Okay. Yep. Thank you so very much. Okay. Thanks, Anne. Okay. Have a great day. You too. Um, we will take a quick text here before we go to our first break. Um, this is from Dawn in Warman. When is the proper time to start watering trees and shrubs? 
as soon as the grounds, I always say, remember I always talk about having a piece of rebar mm-hmm. around, right? And you poke the soil, soil and see whether the moisture is like, you know, down, you know, 6, 12, yeah. 16 inches down. And then water the trees according to that, okay? Because right now we just had a bunch of snow melt yes. and there might be a ton of moisture down there. Uh, there might be right up against the house on the south side. It might be bone dry there already because the, there's a lot more heat there. Mm-hmm. So just... You probe the soil. I always say, I'm not going to tell you water this much, so many liters every four days or whatever. Mm-hmm. It Every part of the yard is different, whether it's a, you know on the north side of the fence or the south side of the fence, front yard, backyard. Uh, it's going to be different in, you know, underneath the tree or in the wide open. So probe with the soil with a piece of 3 8 rebar. It has ribs on the outside. When you poke it down, it brings a little sample up. And then when you find it's, it, there's, there's, uh, when it's getting dry down there, you, um, then you can start watering. But right now, I mean, you can water anytime you want, really, right now. It's, uh, I, I especially would watch your things like your cedars and junipers, uh, because they've gone through a, a long winter and a mm-hmm. lot of reflection off the snow. So they're going to need some moisture. So just a matter of probing around them. If you find that there's no moisture there, absolutely, um, it, it you have to watch for long-term forecasts is that you don't want to turn on a manifold for your sprinklers if you think we're going to get some frost yet. Yeah. Um, you can always protect, you know, put a tarp over something, uh, blankets over top of your manifold. But uh, other than that, uh, you can get the water going anytime is, and get things starting to, um, especially the lawn and that kind of stuff, get it starting to grow. And I always watch nature. And yep. as soon as you start seeing things bud out, it means that things have come out of dormancy. Mm-hmm. Plants... Surprisingly enough, they they know the weather, yeah. and uh, and so they know when it's starting to warm up a little bit, and that's a sign that we can start watering it. And, and, and if you don't want to turn on your sprinklers yet, I mean, nothing with a bucket of water can't do, right? To go out there and just water those few mm-hmm. trees that might mm-hmm. be susceptible, like a cedar or a juniper, you know, that might need a little bit more moisture right and now. And then I would start fertilizing uh, probably around that May 10th, May 15th. Yep. All right. Still a little bit of time, but not too, too much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we are going to take a quick break and then we'll take more of your calls and texts. You can give us a call or text. It's all one phone number. one 332 You're listening to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. Good morning. You're listening to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. I'm Erin McNutt here with Rick and Jill Van Dyke. We have uh, lots of texts coming in, but we would love to hear from you as well. You can give us a call at 1-877-332-8255. So let's get to some of these texts to start off uh, this segment. Lindsay in Corman Park. Uh, can I put leaves, pine needles, slash cones, and probably some deer poop that I raked up this year in the bottom of new raised garden beds to help fill them up before we put in soil? You best always uh, make sure that you composted some of your products first. Okay. I mean, th- that's the big one. Like even manure, like I like to make sure that manure is composted so if it's fresh manure. Sometimes it can be too hot, you know, for a vegetable garden. Okay. So, um, so that's why I would compost it for, especially deer poop. I'd compost it first. So mm-hmm. put it in a pile. I mean, even cow manure. We don't take fresh cow manure. We yeah. take composted cow manure, right? It sounds so. like they might live on an acreage if they yep. have, uh, deer poop. So that's something good to do is just have like a compost pile off yep. to the side, build up an area, and then you can use, like, have the one compost pile and then maybe have a secondary area yep. that has good soil that now you can use that good 
good mm-hmm. soil once it's been composted a bit and, and sat there. How long should it be sitting there? Well, usually you compost for one year and you'll start using the next year, right? Yeah. Depending on your type of compost. If you have built your compost with with so it can have oxygen in it and, and moisture and everything else, it goes a lot quicker, right? Mm-hmm. Some people have a tumbler, right, which tumbles yeah. it. You can get within probably six weeks, you can get compost. Hmm. So, I mean, there's all different types of, of composting you can do. You can put, you can have a composter with red wiggler worms in it and that makes it even goes quicker, you know. So um, there's all kinds of ways of, of composting to make quicker. But uh, the old, if you're just going to throw it in a pile, it probably takes about a year. Okay. So um, and then just, so the biggest thing is turning it every once in a while, you know, sticking sticking your your shovel into it and turning it over and and getting some oxygen in the middle and that way all the bacteria just start working inside there because bacteria need air and oxygen as well. Mm-hmm. And so uh, and and always be moderate of what you put. Put it in layers. Okay. So don't throw a whole big pile of acorns or big pile of needles. Mix you, it up a bit. Mix it up a bit. Put a layer of this, layer of this, layer, a little bit of topsoil to put all the bacteria back in there. Mm-hmm. And um, and then even grass clippings. Don't throw, you know, a whole, you know, five bags of green grass clippings all yeah. in one pile, right? Because it'll take forever and so um, to, to compost. So, so layer down even a bit of sawdust, a little soil, little leaves, um, some needles. The more different matter that you mix yep. together, the faster it's going to yep. go. Your 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 table scraps, your vegetables, all that kind of stuff. It just uh, we had a compost uh, um, coach uh, po- coach there at the at the garden center yesterday for our 70th anniversary mm-hmm. party, and I was looking through. I was I was we were digging through the, their <laughs> little compost pile with yep. all the red wigglers, and they had all the tomatoes and potatoes and everything else in there, and um, you know. Uh, and it was amazing how quickly those red wigglers were actually breaking down all or the doing compost, all the work, doing all the work. So <laughs> it's 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 pretty incredible, and and you're just you using nature to to help speed things up. But that's a great point too. Like yep. there's the compost coast coach that came into the store. They're going yep. into the community. A lot of our cities and um, and rural areas yep. they have resources for us to learn how to compost more because mm-hmm. it's really important to be able to reuse those scraps and actually make it into good soil that yeah. we can we can use later on. So you can get lots of resources. I know on the city of Saskatoon, there's the composting coach uh, area. You can actually, if you have a large amount of people, you can call up the composting coaches and they'll come in. And speak to your group as well too so um, it's, it's great some of the programs that we have to educate us on composting and, and most small communities have have a, a place where they have an old landfill now yep. they're now they're just collection sites right and mm-hmm. they take it away somewhere else but then they have a compost area so a lot of places you can bring your compost there and then but then those small communities too when it works all up you can actually take some away from your garden to your garden mm-hmm. too that's been there composting for yeah. a while so I mean, so you know, there's all kinds of programs there. We do, we don't have to put all the all the green refuge into the landfills because why? Because I mean, yeah, you could be using it you for could your be own using it your so. own garden. Yep. So in answer to her question, <laughs> yes, you can put those things into the bottom of your bed, but compost it first before you do yep. that. Perfect. Um, we have Brian waiting on the line for us. Uh, Brian, what's your question for Rick and Jill? Well, hi. Uh, morning, guys. Good morning. Good morning. I've. Uh, well, last year I bought one of those little, uh, like, bee houses, you know. Uh, they got the little tubes in them. Yep. Have you seen those? That's correct, yep. And uh, to kind of entice, the, I noticed I didn't have many bees in my backyard. I probably got a dozen flower pots in my backyard, plus whatever flowers I have on the tomatoes and the cucumbers. 
and they didn't want to really have anything to do with it. They didn't take to it at all. I was wondering what I could do to make them inhabit that bee house. I set it up the way you're supposed to, give it a yep. southern exposure and everything, and uh, no dice there. Yeah, well, it, it all depends on whether they're going to start, you know, making their home right there, right? So, mm-hmm. and another way you can do it too is that a lot of the garden centers now are having leaf cutter bees that you can actually purchase, right? And then you can actually have your start your own hive there. So, I mean, if you got the bee houses in there, you might want to try. Uh, there's different types of bees you can use that are good pollinators. The ones the mason bees, and you also have the leaf cutter bees. And the leaf cutter bees are probably for Saskatchewan are the best bet because mason bees. Um, I find that they're they're ready too early. So the time you get them from the suppliers, uh, they're they're growing them for places like British Columbia or Ontario. Mm-hmm. For Saskatchewan, it's too cold here yeah. when they're ready to go. But the leafcutter bees and uh, most leafcutter bees come from Saskatchewan, anyways. And so we're protecting our our bees by using natural type of bees uh, here. So um, and if uh, you're wanting some flowers to put in those pots that will attract the bees, some of my favorites. There's one called Kufia. Um, Millionaire, that one's a, a great one. Um, some of the salvias and the rutabecchias, um, those will attract those bees and hummingbirds and even butterflies so, so much. They're great pollinator attractors. Yep. Snapdragons, so all bees those you ones. can buy. Uh, you buy them, uh, aren't the bees frozen when you buy them or something? They're not frozen, but they're cool. They're, they're kept cool so they don't hatch right right away. And then they'll, once you take them out of the fridge, then they'll hatch that way. Okay, I get you. Okay. Uh, did the Dutch growers sell them? Yes, we do. Yep. You can pre. Okay, you can, great. Thanks, you, guys. You're welcome. Thanks, Brian. Thanks. All right, we'll take one quick text before we go to break here. Uh, Kathy has a question about leaf rollers. They live on an acreage, and for the past three years, we've had leaf rollers quite bad in our aspens. When's the best time to start spraying for them, and are the larvae present before leaves come out? Yeah, the the leaves, the larvae will be there fairly shortly after the leaves are out. Not well, not really before the leaves are there, but uh, right after. Uh, once the leaves curl up, it's too late. Okay. Now they now the they've gone into their what they call the cocoon stage, and so they rolled up their little home, and then they go into the pupae stage mm-hmm. inside the inside the leaf. Okay. So once they rolled it up, they've they're they're done. They're they've okay. done their thing already. Leaf rollers are not really. Unless you get a ton and ton of them, but they're they're not going to be the demise of the tree. Um, that's the one thing. Uh, the biggest predator for leaf rollers is a predatory wasp, fascinating. Hmm. Because what happens once they roll up the leaf, the uh, the little worm inside actually cuts a little hole for an escape hole for the moth to get out. Oh, okay. Right, and then the predatory wasp can actually go inside that hole and, and cause go all and, sorts and, of and then lay its eggs in in the pupae, and then it eats out the inside of the of the pupae, and that's the best way to for natural. Um, so, and it all depends on you know they go in cycles again. You know, mm-hmm. as you get become more leaf rollers, you get more predators. So it's just the way it works. So, is there something on the market I could spray on that? Well, the only thing you can do is at this basically have a spraying. If you got them really bad, is that basically once the leaves uh, come out every but every ten days, go and spray with ambush. All right, and uh, then... we are going to have to take a quick break. I'm just noticing the time here now. Um, we will get to Dorothy's call when we get back. You're listening to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. 
Good morning. This is Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. I'm Erin McNutt here with Rick and Jill Van Dyvendyke. You can give us a call or text at 1-877-332-8255. We've had a few people patiently waiting for us through the break, so we'll start with Dorothy. Good morning, Dorothy. What's your question for Rick and Jill? Well, I have an, an apple tree that's about 15 years old. It's uh, been damaged by the voles about a foot from the bottom. All the bark has been peeled off about a foot high. Is there any way of repairing that damage? It's it's a tough one. Sometimes you can take uh, some, if you want to try it, you can take some bark off of some of the other smaller branches and basically graft them onto the tree. But it's going to be tough, especially they're talking about this being one of the hottest summers in a long time. So... Um, um, so it's going to be, it's going to be a tough one to try to get. I lost a whole bunch of 35 year old Espalier apple trees. The voles ate them about a foot all the way around the base of them. And they'll, they'll survive here. They got enough energy. They'll have enough energy to survive one year. They'll even produce fruit this year because I lost one to the same way once before. But then the following year, the summer, they just can't survive. There's just not enough. You know, what it does is that the bark protects the wood just inside, just inside the bark where all the water flows. And so, it basically, the once once the sun gets really hot and dry, and the leaves come out, and the tree wants to pull out some moisture, it just can't pull enough moisture when it's missing that bark to survive the tree. So, it's going to be. Um, you could try doing some grafting, some bark strips onto that onto that tree, and um, but it's going to be a tough one. It's really tough to really get it to survive. Sorry to say that, but that's. Um, uh, one thing about voles this year, right across Saskatchewan, we've had having people calling in saying the voles were really brutal, and that's mm-hmm. because we had an early snow. And the early snow just makes a, a habitat for them that's just perfect for them to be underneath the snow and, and work at your lawns and your, your shrubs and trees and everything else. So I always say if you have vole problems areas, wrap your trees with a, with a, with a tree guard, with a bark guard, and... Uh, because, you know, it only takes that one year mm-hmm. and then you lose all your trees. So um, it's very important. But, yeah, you can try some, some um, put some, taking some, some strips of bark off of some of the upper branches and then try to graft them lower because those upper branches, you can remember, even if you lose some of those upper branches, I'm trying to save the trunk, right? Yeah. And so you can take some strips and try to graft it on there and basically staple it. I would just staple it right onto the onto the bark. Just use a like a, a Boston stapler and staple them right on there. And then uh, then also on top of that, then wrap some um, basically some cellophane around it so that you keep some moisture there so that it can basically heal those graft uh, graft pieces of, of uh, bark back on there. Okay. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks, Dorothy. Thank you. All right. We have Elaine in Spring Valley. Good morning, Elaine. What's your question for Rick and Jill? Hi, folks. Well, uh, good to hear you again. I, I'm still nursing that rose cherry tree, uh, yep. Rick. Yep. Uh, I protected it from the deer, thank God, this winter. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I see yesterday that there's some fresh bleeding or weeping uh, from the knots on it. So I, I intend to mix up my, my uh, same salve that I used last year in a base of, of Vaseline with all kinds of spicy stuff in it. Yep. That seemed to help, but I'm wondering, can I? What can I use? I forget what you told me to use to to uh, a tonic for it, kind of. Well, uh, with, with with those ones there, I mean, uh, it, it's a viral, right? That's the problem. Right. Because if it's seeping, it's a viral. So there's there's no real, just like for 
people. I mean, you know, they they can uh, doctors can help you with bacterials and everything else and colds right. and that, but they, they can't stop viral, right? You basically got to work your way through it. You got to get your body immunity. So right. the, the biggest thing you can do is keep the immunity of the tree up. So keep all your your micronutrients up in the tree, not just right. your NPK and your nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium, but all your boron, zinc, magnesium, calcium, everything else. I have and, been putting lots of of banana peels at, around yeah. it and working it in, but I think you told me to use uh, magnesium sulfate or something too. Yeah. I haven't looked at my notes. Yeah, the magnesium sulfate, uh, like even um, even some um, the uh, like I said, all your a lot of your even alfalfa pellets and that kind of stuff oh. have a whole bunch of all those other micronutrients in it, right? And right. you can even make a tea for it, you know, and do that as well. So that's with the alfalfa yep. uh, pellets, and I can get those at, at any. Uh... Yep. Yeah, you get you can get them anywhere. There's a company in Saskatchewan called Alfalfa Green out of Norway, Saskatchewan. They have ones that are organic and also weed-free because okay. uh, you can also buy ones that are the feed for your rabbits and everything else, right? But sometimes they have, you know, exactly. weeds and everything else in it too. But uh, but otherwise, yeah, no, just using any kind of those kind of natural things that put all those micronutrients in there, right. and that's a huge thing. And I don't know what your pH level is like. Do you know what your pH is? Well, that's, I, I actually haven't done a test, Rick, but is this uh, soil here is... is Slightly alkaline. It's alkaline, yeah. So if you can get it, your pH down to 6.5 to 7. 6.5. Yeah, okay. that's best. And you can do a home test, uh, get a kit, and you can do a home test to figure out where it's at, right? And I just, have a kit, but I have to use it. Yeah, just make sure you use distilled water. Don't use tap water to do your test. And then, because uh, if you can if you can get your, your balance of your pH at about 6.5, even 7 is fine. Uh, okay. What will happen is that the, the plant will uptake nutrients better. And because otherwise they won't take the nutrients up, but if the pH is at, at, a, at a at a neutral state, the plant will take up all those micronutrients and be way healthier for it. Right. Well, it really improved after the advice you gave me. What about three years ago? I guess. But like I said, now this doggone virus is attacking us. Yeah, it's it's a tough one, and sometimes you gotta if you can. If it doesn't, you know, if it's not in a bad spot, you can prune it out. But sometimes it's right in the main trunk, and you can't do that, right? So well, yeah, and it's it's a feature. It's the only two, you know, that and the flowering crab are the only two two ornamentals that I still have yeah. and can can protect. So yeah, well, you may want you may want to think about uh, planting another young one so that when something does happen, then you've got another one to take over. I think I'm too old for that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thanks so much, you okay, guys. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you. on okay. your anniversary. Thank you very much. Okay. God Bye now. Bye-bye. Uh, we'll take a quick text here before we go to break. Uh, this one coming from Manitou Beach. Um, I just bought two number seven Brandon Cedars. Uh, they're in a pot and their soil is a ball of hard clay. Yep. Should I put them in a size bigger pot with some good soil to feed them? Um, or should they just stay in the pot all winter? Or can they stay in the pot all winter? Well, they won't survive in the pot all winter unless you bring them indoors, mm-hmm. okay, uh, into a cool a garage that's slightly heated or something like that so it doesn't get, you know, below minus 10. Um, but otherwise, uh, you definitely put them into another size pot and put some, um, you know, a, a, like a potting mix or something that, that they can grow into as well. Okay. Um, uh, that would be better. And also making sure that you fertilize it uh, during the summer as well. 
But like I said, if you leave it in that pot outside, unless you bury the pot into the garden. Okay. Okay, you can do that too. You can dig a hole in the garden on the mm-hmm. shady side of a fence because okay. you don't want the sun on it all winter. Mm-hmm. And then you can bury that pot in the, in the, and if you want to protect the pot, put paper around the pot if you want to bury the pot and all, but don't put plastic. Okay. Plastic will keep the heat from getting to the roots. Or burlap works Or burlap good. or any of that. And Just then bury, a jacket. bury, bury the pot and all, and then you can bring it up on, and then put it back on your deck or patio or whatever you want afterwards again. Perfect. Uh, we will take a quick break and then get to more of your questions and calls. You can do that by giving us a call or text at one number one eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. This is Garden Talk on six fifty CKOM and nine eighty CJME. We're back with more Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. I'm Erin McNutt here with Rick and Jill Van Dyke. You can give us a call at 1-877-332-8255. Uh, we have lots of texts coming in this morning, so um, let's go through a few of those. Yep. <laughs> uh, this one coming from Dave in Regina. I decided to try growing sunflowers for the first time ever. They came up in about a week and a half. Now they're about four inches tall two weeks later. I'm wondering if there's something I could do to get them a little bit stronger. They're very spindly right now. Do I take them or and where do I get them to planted shade versus sun? You want to put them in a full sun location, number one. That's where mm-hmm. they're going to do the best. Um, you're also going to get less stretching if they have lots of light. So lots of light on them will prevent the stretching. Putting them outside during the day and bringing them in at night if it's cool or even if it's a warm enough night, if we're staying above plus five at night, you can leave them out at night. But those cooler temperatures are going to keep them getting a little bit stronger. Just a bit of okay. wind moving around. In the house, yeah. you should, when, as soon as it starts germinating, you should have a little fan and that'll just get this those sunflowers do some calisthenics and they'll make them stronger <laughs> as well so but yeah outside during the day uh, just exactly right jill that that's one of the best things you can do to make them a lot stronger and then bumping them up into a larger pot too okay. so as soon as the roots hit the side of a container you should be bumping them up into a pot about one to two inches bigger in diameter a minimum um, and then that will help the plant not stretch as much too because then it can put more energy into mm-hmm. root growth instead of the upper part of the plant again Okay, so a couple different options. Um, This one is coming from Joanne in Yorkton. Should I give my Hascap bushes alfalfa pellets? How much, when, and how often? Yeah, you can you can just sprinkle some around the base of the tree and then water it in. You can just do it that way. You can basically put a couple cups around them if you want, because um, it's it's not a very high nitrogen, but it has a, a special type of nitrogen which plants, especially fruiting plants, mm-hmm. will love, uh, especially the calcium and those kind of things that have in that have in. Or you can make a tea. You can put two cups into um, into a five gallon pail, stir it up, let it steep overnight, and stir it back up again, and pour <laughs> it around the tree. And then, basically, what tree like that? I'd probably put about uh, about four to eight liters around each plant. Okay, and uh, that will make the plant do really well. I mean, you'll watch the house caps. I bet you by the end of this week they'll start blooming because they start producing fruit already in about the middle to end of June. So they're one of the first plants to fruit. So the flowers are come, will come out really quickly. So watch this temperature this next week. You'll see the flowers on the hascap starting to bloom. But with the alfalfa pellets, I usually do it in two steps. You can put a little bit on the top of the soil so that every time you're watering, it gets almost getting like a slow release. Yeah. Yep. And then mixing up a tea on top of it. And yep. that gives it more instant impact. Instant. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, we have one from Julia in Warman. Can you explain the best way to plant potatoes in pots or bags? Type of soil and fertilizer to obtain the biggest yield possible. Yeah, use a, in, if you're using a bag, 
um, you can do it two ways. One, you can put some topsoil in there, but the best way to use is using a fruit and ve- it's called a herb and vegetable type of a soil mix. Okay. And uh, it's a little bit lighter, so it doesn't get really hard on you because you know when you put it on top of the ground, it's going to get really warm. And Pro Mix co- makes a really good one. It's yep. an organic for vegetables, for and vegetables. that one is a, probably the best soil I would say for putting into for some of those root yep. crops in your in your garden. If you just use a straight potting mix that's used for for flowers, mm-hmm. it's too light. It doesn't have enough organic matter in it okay. um, and and you're going to find that you're not going to get um, any any produce from yep. that. So there's a couple ways to do that. You can make you can make your own container if you want. Mm-hmm. Uh, just have to have a, a box or something like that and drill some holes in the side so there's lots of air movement and everything else. There's some pails that you can get and it actually has bigger holes in it. It has a little sleeve that you can lift it up and steal potatoes and from. And that's a little trick too. If you're doing potatoes, buy two of the same size pot yep. And then the insert pot cut little squares into the side mm-hmm. um, so that you can pull that one out and then you can steal potatoes from the bottom. Yeah, you don't have to and then, go full harvest mode. Then, yeah. When you put your potatoes in also, you can, two ways you can do it. One is you can plant your, fill it full of soil and plant it in there. Or one thing you can do too is that some people have done, made a barrel of potatoes. Mm-hmm. So what they do is they start with the potatoes down a little bit lower. There's lots of holes in the side. And then they uh, they start planting the potatoes in the holes or what they do is they start uh, putting the potatoes in as they grow. They keep adding, just like hilling okay. your potatoes, and keep adding some soil as the plants grow up. As long as you've got lots of leaves on the top so they can go into flower and everything else to help produce that that uh, tuber down below. Yeah, I think that that's an important thing yeah. too, is um, starting with the potato in the bottom and then hilling it up and adding the soil as the plant grows. You're actually going to have a lot better success as, that as, way. As long as the container isn't too tall so it's really dark at the bottom. Correct. <laughs> so, Correct. Yeah. You need those little windows. windows. You wouldn't want to plant it any deeper than you would in the garden. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. Um, this one is coming from Angela. Can I still prune my cherry, Saskatoon, gooseberry, and black currant bushes? Can you still plant? You can plant. Prune. Oh, prune. Prune. Yes, absolutely. Sorry. Um, pruning the seasons. You can see, I mean, we had snow last yeah. week, cold temperatures. So pruning, you absolutely can give them a pruning. Not not a problem with those ones at all. Okay. Go After ahead. my trees have budded out, but, what are things that I should not prune? Okay. Once trees, anything early, in shrubs, anything early blooming. Okay. Like your lilacs and your forsythia, your double flowering plum, your flowering almonds, because you're going to cut all the blooms off. Yeah. I want to enjoy the blooms, then I'll prune. Okay. Do a light pruning so that you'll get lots more blooms the following year again. And then I have this question a lot too is, uh, when I'm doing a heavy prune, usually I want to do that when the plant is dormant. dormant yeah. So is it now that the tree has started to bud, should I wait until the fall then to do a heavy yeah, prune? You can still do a light pruning, but not a heavy pruning. Uh, best not to do it when it's full. That's why right now you're talking about those gooseberries yeah. and everything else. Saskatoon. Do it, do it this weekend. Because this next week is going to be really warm and the leaves are going to pop up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's, if you can do a major pruning. Do it today. Uh, that's a today job. <laughs> light prunings you can do through the summer because mm-hmm. it's not going to affect the plant that much. Just like you take a hedge, right? You trim yeah. your hedge three, three or four times a summer, right? So light prunings, like you got a branch growing out the wrong direction or something like that, you can do that during the summer as well. It's not going to hurt the plant. All right. Um, and then we have this one. Uh, when started, how often, and when to stop fertilizing fruit trees? Uh, they're talking specifically about apple, cherry, hascap, Saskatoon, and gooseberries. Best to prune, just to give those things a, a starting fertilize. There's a lot of new fertilizers out there now. What some are called fruit and berry. Okay, that one's or, by Evolve by Dirt yeah. and Grow. It's an organic. So it's an organic, so you don't. They don't need a. You don't. You don't want to put a ton of nitrogen. So I don't want to use a thirty ten ten. Okay. 
uh, on a, on a fruit tree because there's too much nitrogen. Too much nitrogen say tells the plant, oh, I'm just going to put lots of leaves out. I don't mm-hmm. need to. I'm I'm healthy. I don't need to produce I'm good seeds. Good where I'm at. <laughs> I don't need to produce seeds because that's what it's trying to do. When it puts the apple out, it's not for you. Mm-hmm. Remember, it's to make more plants. <laughs> that's what they're making <laughs> the apple for, for to make more seed. And so. Um, uh, we just get the benefits of it, right, yeah. by, by harvesting it. But uh, So anyways, yeah, using organic, so you build up all those calciums, you build up the, the magnesiums, the borons, things that will make your fruit taste way much tastier and everything else. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, use your organic fertilizers and do it once in the spring, basically, and you don't need to do them the rest of the year. All right, so pretty soon here. Yep. All right. Right away. Um, we are going to take a quick break for news, and then we'll be back with more Garden Talk. If you have any questions or need some advice from Rick or Jill, you can give us a call or a text, one 332 8255 I'm Erin McNutt here with Rick and Jill Van Dyvendijk from Dutch Growers. You're listening to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. Good morning. You're listening to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. I'm Erin McNutt here with Rick and Jill Van Dyvendijk. You can give us a call today if you have any questions or need some tips for the garden. 1-877-332-8255. Did you say tips or ticks? Oh, God. We were just talking about this. <laughs> we were just talking I about might, <laughs> Apparently, there's been some tick sightings yes, already. Already. Yeah, people. I know that uh, some people walking their dog, they found some in Stonebridge already. Yeah, so, in Saskatoon. Yeah. Saskatoon. So yep. be watching out for those ticks. <laughs> yep, uh, it's that season again. <laughs> my least favorite one <laughs> i don't know just flashing back to childhood you know EBGVs, right? <laughs> uh, they're back i guess it's nice to see them because that means it's warming it's up, warming up yeah. well we'll go with that <laughs> uh, larry's been waiting patiently on the line for us uh from vancouver good morning larry what's your question for rick and jill hey uh thanks for the show i listen to it every sunday morning thank it's you kind of my ritual now <laughs> i used to live in saskatchewan perfect um so I have a, a little patio facing south, and um, I've had a, a small Japanese maple. It's about three feet high for the last seven or eight years, um, and it's been beautiful every year. This year, though, um, only a few branches are getting leaves, so I'm wondering what I can do. I prune them down, the ones who don't have leaves? or well, where, where are you located right now? He's in Vancouver. I'm in Vancouver. Vancouver. <laughs> yeah, that, no, that, that's wish. why he was rubbing it in, said he has a Japanese maple. <laughs> I was there. like, uh, Us people back in Saskatchewan. I have one of those in my yard. <laughs> <laughs> We've had a slow spring, too. <laughs> you've had a, I mean, you've had a for us, but I'm not going to say cold. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you've had a brutal, like, I think the cherries are just starting to blossom now. Isn't that right there? They're already, like, they've been very sporadic. Yeah. Like, they haven't been as full consistently, so yeah. they're pretty much done now. So you, you had um, this you had, you had this in a pot on your on your balcony? Is that what you had? I do, yeah. yeah. And so, every year it's fine and it's quite beautiful and yeah. lush, but this year it's just, I have one, one branch that's fully yeah. out, but they're, the rest are, like, sort of like a bald man. Yeah, you, you might have had a bit of root damage on that because of the cold you had there this last winter, right? Like they normally yeah. normally are planted in the ground, you know, and do better in the ground. But and then up in a balcony, you're getting a lot of the you know cold temperatures. So I mean, a lot of times that this th- those trees will bounce back. So what I would suggest you do is uh, don't do a lot of pruning on them because maples you don't want to prune first thing in the spring. But if you okay. see if you if you do it if you go and you scrape the bark just a little bit, you'll see where it's if it's brown underneath, it's dead. Okay, if it's green underneath, it's still going to come. Okay, if some of those okay. small branches. So, uh, but in the next, in the, well, you're probably seeing it's it's already new, new leaves are coming out on that plant already for you, right? 
That's right. Yeah. yeah. So any place that you know, once once you get the leaves about half their size, if there's any branches that don't have it, then you can prune those ones off, and then start. And, and then prune right down to the the um, trunk. Well, no, just tiny little trunk. Just just prune back to where you have the next the first leaf starts on that branch. Oh, I see. Okay. Right? Okay. Right. So you know that's why I like to take my little uh, knife or pruners. I like to nick the bark so I can see because they might be just a little bit late and they might bud out yet. Okay, but if exactly you know, so then if you just nick the bark, but if it's brown underneath, it's not going to come. If it's green underneath the bark, just a little tiny. Even with your fingernail, you can nick it and see. And then if it's green underneath, it might still bud out yet. And then of course, for you, your temperatures where you are right now, you can actually start fertilizing now. And so that'll help just oh. to promote the growth. Do I need specific tree fertilizer or just that regular? Um, yeah, uh, for those maples, you can just use the regular fertilizer you have out there. They're not a problem yeah. at all. Okay, awesome. Okay. Well, thanks, you guys. This is awesome. You're I've welcome. Been trying thanks to get for on. sticking with us even through the move. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> I'll see you in June. I'll be down in June. <laughs> well, I, you're gonna you're gonna keep us all jealous by being able to have a Japanese maple. So that's good. <laughs> it was only 24 yesterday too. I burned. Oh my yeah. Oh, terrible. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> Feel sorry. We're for getting you. close. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I hear that. I hear that. Yeah. Okay. Have a great thanks. day. Have a great day. Okay. Thanks, Larry. All right. All right, we have Tom in Regina on the line. Good morning, Tom. What's your question for Rick and Jill? I got two. Okay. Uh, you know, I, I was I started a whole bunch of garlic inside, yep. and I was wondering, can I plant it in between the tomato plants? Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. Is it, is it, okay. Yep. And the second second question is, when you put in your tomatoes, they always say go put them in deeper to you know. Yeah. Four or five inches or whatever it is. Sometimes what not about- even. Sometimes not even deeper. Sometimes what you do is you dig a trench and you lay your tomato plants sideways and then turn it up at the end, right? Oh, and okay. Then they'll root all the way along the stems as well, right? Oh, okay. So that way okay. you can do it. So sometimes deeper is not great, especially in our clay soils. More elongated and then turn the end of the plant up is better. Okay. What about peppers? Peppers just uh, just peppers. Plant- you want to plant them at yeah, the same soil at the same level. level. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. With yeah, the tomatoes, they're... they'll get those little bumps along the along the stem, and those are the air roots that you can that will turn into nice roots and make your plant stronger and actually help it yep. bring up more nutrients. So if you trench the tomato and plant them deeper, you're actually going to have a stronger, healthier plant. Yep. All right. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. Right. Okay, we have a couple texts that we can get to here before we go to a break. If you want to give us a call, the phone number is one eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. Uh this one is coming from Dennis in Emerald Park. Uh it says the deers have eaten the lower part from ground to five feet high on my cedar shrub trees. Can I save them? Yeah, absolutely. They, they wouldn't they normally don't go after the main trunk. They eat all the all the green off all the branches. Okay. And so it'll take a little a couple of years, but uh and then next winter they're gonna come back again next winter, so mm-hmm. you're gonna have to fence them obviously. <laughs> Put little fences around them so the deer don't get at them again. Uh but you just start fertilizing with thirty ten ten. Start around May the tenth, every three weeks. Uh depending on he doesn't say the height or anything of it is. Um right? just that it's damaged up to five feet. Five feet. So they're bigger plants. So you can put about four to five gallons of water mixed with 30 10 10 once every three weeks may 10th stop july 15th okay and then you'll get lots of new growth because if you if one thing about evergreens they put most of growth on like juniper cedars spruce trees pines they put most of growth on in the month of june and the first part of july 
So if you could set the banquet by starting in May 10th, set the table so that they're going to start feeding, mm-hmm. and then they'll put, so there's lots of food there. So when June comes, they put their maximum amount of growth on for that year. And then, but then by August 1st, they're going dormant for the next season already. So okay. this is a short season. So that's why I want to stop fertilizing because I don't want to promote it. I mm-hmm. want it to get ready for the winter time. Okay. Okay. Um, we have a question from Marie in Prince Albert. My golden elder is around 35 years old. The, its leaves no longer turn golden. Is there a, fu- a fertilizer that I could use to help the shrub? Probably what you can do is just watch your, check your pH of your soil. If you can bring your pH down, you'll probably get the better coloring out of it. Okay. okay. So if you can get the pH around seven, uh, the, the elders will have better coloring. So if your pH is too high or too low, most likely for us, it's too high. Mm-hmm. Then that affects even things like hydrangeas. Like if you have a blue hydrangea, it'll be more of a pink color, right? Okay. So it changes the color quite a bit. So lowering the pH so it can take up nutrients to help that coloring is huge. It's wild how something like, that, you know, a pH level could just change a total color of a plant. Absolutely. The color of the plant, how it grows, everything. It's huge. It keep the, it also, they build up their immunity. It's, mm-hmm. it's huge to build up plants' immunity is keeping the pH at the proper level so it can take up nutrients. And, uh, I mean, we're the same way, right? Yeah. If we take our vitamins and keep <laughs> ourselves healthy, we'll be stronger and we'll actually have better color in our skin. And just right? like what you can do with a hydrangea, even like you can change the, yep. the, the color of the blooms from blue to, to white just mm-hmm. by the pH. Yep. Hmm. Yep. We will take a quick break and then we'll be back to answer more of your questions. You can give us a call one eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. You're listening to Garden Talk on six fifty CKOM and nine eighty CJME. We're back with more Garden Talk on six fifty CKOM and nine eighty CJME. I'm Erin McNutt here with Rick and Jill Van Divendyke. If you have any questions for us, you can give us a call at one eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. We have a couple texts here, and it looks like a few calls are coming in. Um, so we'll start off on the text line. Uh, this is from Marianne in Regina. I purchased a fern peony from Dutch Grower on Friday. There are six to eight one inch sprouts shooting up from the dirt. When and where should I plant this peony? And do you have any important tips for this perennial? Yeah, so with the fern leaf peonies, you want to, it's greenhouse grown. So this year, because it's the first year, you want to treat them kind of like an annual and put them outside during the day, bring them in at night, harden them off, okay, and then wait till the chance the frost will be gone before you actually put it into the ground. Peonies love a nice, hot, sunny location, and they yep. like soil that is well-drained. So that's really important. Not a wet spot at all. They do not like no. a wet spot. Okay. No. Now, one thing with the fern leaf peonies is there is a chance that a fern leaf peony may go dormant in the first year after transplanting it, too. So if you put it into the yard and maybe like a couple months down the road or a month down the road, it all of a sudden looks like that plant might be dead. It's actually not. It's just gone dormant for you for okay. the first year, and that's completely normal. Just surprising you. Just surprising <laughs> you. Um, just you don't have to water it as much when it's dormant, but still keep caring for it. Um, a lot of people will lose them because they'll think it's dead, and this will stop taking care mm-hmm. of it altogether. Put put some bone meal in the ground with around with it too. That'll help a lot too. Yeah, yep. um, but absolutely beautiful plant. Um, yeah, a lot of people gorgeous. think that peonies attract ants, so they don't want to yeah. plant them. But actually, peonies are susceptible to getting aphids, um, okay. and then the ants like the aphids. Yeah. So that's kind of why you're seeing that. So just be watching it for. Um, um, for aphids, make sure you're keeping it well fertilized and uh, you will enjoy that plant for years to come. Perfect. Um, we have Joy on the line from Estevan. Good morning, Joy. What's your question for Rick and Jill? Hi, I actually have a couple questions here. Um, 
One thing is I would like to know why my hibiscus would be losing leaves. They're turning yellow and falling off. That's my first question. So the the thing that could be causing that is um, not enough sunlight, too much water, not enough water. Those are the three main things that will cause your hibiscus to sort of um, turn leaves. Uh, So you just sort of want to watch the environment. If you can get it in more sunlight, that will be one. Um, South-facing patio doors. Okay. So then it's probably watering. Give it a little bit of water. Um, The other thing is if it's in a pot that you've just been watering it a little bit at a time while you've been fertilizing it um, and... It will get salt buildups in the bottom of the pot, and hibiscus are susceptible to that as well, too. So taking it outside or into a bathtub every once in a while or having a dish underneath it and leaching the water through, um, that will definitely help your hibiscus, too. Stick your index finger into the top of the soil yeah, as far as you can, right to the big knuckles, okay? And if you feel moisture, don't water it. As soon as it feels dry, water it thoroughly so the water comes out the bottom of the pot and then don't water it again until you stick your finger in and you don't feel any moisture again. And the other thing with the hibiscus, I've I found that switching to an organic fertilizer for my hibiscus, they actually love all the micronutrients yeah. in there. You'll have a greener plant um, unless there's a little bit more iron, there's a little kelp, there's a little bit more micronutrients in there and the hibiscus will thrive on that too. Okay, so... Yeah. It's possible that it needs more fertilizer than two. Yeah, more nutrients. Absolutely, yeah. Yes. Okay. So my other question is, what is the best fertilizer for uh, evergreens? Evergreens? Yeah. I like using, uh, I don't know, not sure what your soil pH is like down around Esteban, but uh, I know up in the central part of Saskatchewan, it is a more alkaline type of soil. So adding a, a fertilizer with some acid base to it, so it, it actually brings your lower your pH to around 6.5 to 7. Uh, that That's almost more important than all the type of fertilizer you use. But I like using a 30-10-10 because it puts lots of growth on. And it makes those plants, you know, because spruce trees, remember, they're only going to grow maximum, you know, 16, 18, 24 inches in a year maximum. So mm-hmm. that that's what the optimum condition. So if you have the nutrients there, the plant's going to do that. And also, especially this year, a lot of had a lot of bit of, of winter burn on them. It'll help bounce them back again. But watching that uh, pH of the soil, and if you need to add some aluminum sulfate, that you know, sulfate, that's that's good. Uh, like I said, I'm not sure if Esteban, your your pH of your soil, you might want to get a test kit and just find out where it's at. And then that'll make the health of the, the spruce a lot better just by having that pH around 7. Okay. Um, and, like, do you have, like, a name brand for uh, fertilizer? Like, we have in the past used, like, those... Uh, they're kind of like a tube or whatever. A, sp- a spike. A, t- a spike, a spike yeah. yeah. And the spikes will work like, okay to maintain a tree, but if you want to recover a tree, you're best to go every three weeks from May the 10th until July the 15th with a water-soluble fertilizer. And what I would suggest for that evergreen, use a 30-10-10, okay? Mm-hmm. A 30-10-10, and there's a whole bunch of brands. There's Plant Prod, there's miracle Grow. there's a whole bunch of different names on them. They all, all just matter. Just look at the numbers. Oh, okay. So thirty ten ten, or something very close to those numbers. It could be twenty seven, you know, eight six, anywhere, anyone that's close to that number thirty ten ten. But then also on top of that, adding some aluminum sulfate if you need to lower your pH if you have more alkaline soil on top of that as well. Okay, okay? and so like if the if they have like the burn from the yep. 
National and Sun, like they'll come back? They'll come back just uh, every three weeks starting May 10th, quit July 15th. And how tall is your plant? Uh, they're probably about, I don't know, three, four feet. Three, four feet. So you're going to be putting four liters of water every time around the drip line of the tree. Every three weeks, four liters of water mixed with that fertilizer. Oh, okay. 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 Uh, yeah, I was just going to say, like, the one time we had uh, one evergreen that had died, but we had, like, tried fertilizing it. Yep. And when, when we dug it up, though that those spike fertilizers were still there. Yeah, I don't like using the spike fertilizer, especially on that small of a plant. It's more I like using them on a big tree, like they might be 16 feet or taller, mm-hmm. okay? Oh, okay. But use the liquid fertilizer because what happens if you get one of those bands, uh, fertilizer spikes right beside a main root, for a young tree, it's just too strong. Okay. Okay. And uh, and so I like and and you'll get better results if you use the the liquid fertilizer. Mix this the powder you mix with water. Okay. Okay. Thanks that, for your better. questions, right. Joy. Thank you. Okay. Bye now. Bye. Uh, we have Ian in Saskatoon. Good morning, Ian. What's your question for Rick and Jill? Hi. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Um, good morning. Last fall, I uh, was I had bought a number of perennials. And they weren't all for uh, zone two. Some were zone three and some were zone four. And I, I didn't have the beds ready, so I just put them in wherever. And then for the winter, I covered them over because they were zone three and four, right, with about three to four inches of of, comp- of leaves. That's uh, Rick had suggested that. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, the other day I went out and I did Rick's test with the uh, rebar and pushed it down into the ground and I went down like a foot and I was like, oh, okay, well, it's, the frost is coming out. Yep. So I, I took a small leaf rake and I, I removed some uh, leaves from around one of the plants and to my surprise, they they, get, they were um, bean sprout color, you know, light, yep. light green, new growth, but yep. they were like two, three inches. Yep. Well, That's right. amazing. It's perfect. Yeah. Like, cause they, yeah. You, you... So I've got like 25 or 24 of these plants and so I've been removing the, the I removed the comp the uh, sorry the leaves, and there's no mold underneath. There's a girl at, at named April at a place on Central Central Avenue that was remind told me that I should remove all the leaves to make sure there's no mold. So I, I thanked her very yep. much. Um, but I'm kind of concerned. Like, so I've got all these leaves off, and we're going to get up to like 26 or 27 degrees. But I still haven't opened my sprinklers because we're still getting down below zero. Yeah. So I'm not sure a if un- uncovering these was the thing to do no, when be, there's only they'll three, be, four. They'll, they'll be fine. And we're, they'll and be, we're getting frost. Yeah. Or if I should be watering them. You no, know, they're, they're fine. Just leave them the way they are. There'll be lots of moisture there for them. They'll be fine. Uh, the only thing you may want to do is if you're thinking about transplanting them, because you said you put them there temporarily, right? Now is the perfect now, time to Now is the time to transplant those plants to put them into the rightful place that you want to have them. Now is the time? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Because they're, they're, uh, they're not quite actively growing yet. They're just coming out of dormancy. So yep. right now you want to just take a nice big root ball and then for the hole that you're going to um, be digging for it, dig it one and a half times the size of the root ball that you yep. have in width and then backfill it with some good soil. Um, if you have some mics hanging around, which is a micro mycorrhizome, you can throw that into the bottom of the hole and that will help get the roots get going a little faster too. Just write down that mycorrhizome. Yeah. 
Yeah, but otherwise, yeah, if you if you're planning you because you were planning on moving them to a, their permanent spot, I would suggest doing that as, as sooner the better. Is there? Any, let's say I decide that well for health. I have I'm having knee surgery on May 9th, so get down on the ground is kind of a tough thing to do right now. Yep. Um, if I leave these where they are for one year just to see how they actually grow full growth, not a problem. Of, you know, be, and then move them next year. Is that an issue? Not a problem at all. Nope. Just okay. take and, a nice um, big root ball when you move them. Yep. Not a problem. Okay. One last thing. Can I also? I've got a, a giant, like a, a bigger in diameter um, Heliopsis that's you know twelve, fourteen inches around. Yep. And I wanted to split in into three and move it as well. Yep. How big a root ball do I take on that? Um, well, you can take. I would like take about a third off of it at a, at a time is normally what I would do. Um, but yeah, you, if it's nice and big around, you can split that thing um, quite a few times. And the sooner the better. As mm-hmm. soon as the frost's out of the ground, dig them up and split them as soon as you can. All righty, and I got to cut you off here because we got to take a quick break for news. Thanks Uh, for calling. Yeah. Um, We will be back with more Garden Talk in just a few moments on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. We're back with more Garden Talk here on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. I'm Erin McNutt here with Rick and Jill Van Dyvendyke. You can give us a call or text at 1-877-332-8255. Raiden's been waiting on the line through the break here, so we'll jump uh, over to them. Good morning. What's your question for Rick and Jill? Oh, hi. Good morning. Uh, I just, I have some dwarf blue spruce pine trees and uh, the needles are starting to fall off and they're looking kind of brown. And I'm not sure if they're dead or... Are they totally brown or is there still some blue there? There's some blue in it, but they're definitely losing needles. Yeah, so they might have taken a, a hit with that winter we had there. So what you want to do is that a lot of times the new buds will be fine on the ends and, and down the edge of the branches where they'll have some new buds. So right. they'll, they'll be fine. A lot of times you can just basically just sort of touch them with your finger a bit. And if they're, they're still, you know, nice nights and, you know, like they look like they're nice and soft and, and, but if they're just, if they just break off, then the whole branch is probably dead and you can actually scrape with a, with your pruners on the, on the side of the branch. And if it's green underneath, it's going to be okay. If it's totally brown underneath, that means that branch is going to be totally dead. But a lot of your buds will come out around the first week of June. That's when they'll start pushing out yeah. their new growth. Okay. So yeah. it's, it's, I wouldn't be in a big panic right now. Uh, basically, once you get around May the 10th, if you want, is that start fertilizing the plant with 30-10-10. And okay. just keep the moisture at a moist level. Don't, over, don't, don't start overwatering it, okay? Just keep okay. it moist, and, uh, but not dry, okay? But yeah. a lot of people start making the mistake when they start seeing the leaves turn brown, they start giving tons of water, and that can be worse, okay? So um, right. uh, make sure you, I like probing with a piece of rebar down you know, beside the plant and should be, you know, it should be just moist. If it's wet, then you just poke some more holes and air puts some oxygen into the soil. If it's dry, then give it some water. But, uh, but yeah, just you'll see what happens basically once you start getting toward the end of May and beginning of June, whether it's going to push out new growth and then fertilize from May 10th until, how t- how big is this one right now, this globe? Uh, I think I planted them probably six years ago, so they're okay. they're getting to be almost 10 to 12 feet. Okay, so you're going to be using about uh, about four gallons of water mixed with thirty ten ten every three weeks and from from May fifth May the tenth until July the fifteenth. Okay. okay, so there's so you're saying there's still a chance. Oh yes, yep. Okay, uh, one more quick question. Mm-hmm. While I got you on the line. Is uh, 
what do you recommend for a good uh, shelter belt or a privacy, you know, screen of plants that doesn't need a lot of sun, like basically no sun? No sun at all? That's a tough yeah. one. Yeah. That's a tougher one. Uh, you're yeah. probably, if you're on an acreage or something like that, then is what you are? Yeah, yeah acreage. Yeah, that's a tough one with no, no sun at all. So, um, uh, yeah, that, that's a tough one because you can put ever, you put some evergreens on there, but they grow slower. One that called Warriana cedar or Siberian cedar. Right. They would do okay. Otherwise, you can use some, there's plants that you can use. How tall do you want this hedge to grow? Well, the taller the better. I kind of got highway frontage where our yard is, and uh, I've got some pine trees that are getting close to 70 years old, and yep. they're kind of on their way out. Yep. And I've got another row on the other side of Scott's pines that are getting pretty old, and it's just trying to get something started. Yeah, so what I, I would try oh. is I would try some Black Hill spruce in there. I okay. mean, they'll they'll grow slower in the shade there, but they will fill in, and they will be. Uh, and now you're changing your varieties. I don't like putting all the same. Okay. Yeah. So because then if something you get a disease in, it wipes out the whole thing. So if you kind of mix it up, put some put some Siberian larch in there, put some uh, pine in there, put some uh, Black Hill spruce in there. If you want something that's going to be, if you're highway frontage, they have good screenage for the whole year. Okay. Yeah. Those yeah. are the three I'd probably put in there. And um, and that way, then you'll give them time to grow, and then once your other trees are gone, then they're they're very started, and they're just going to thrive after that. I like that oh. you're trying to be proactive to start replacing yep. some of these older trees too. Before, so good for you. Yeah, yeah, trying to stay ahead of the game. Yep. So that's good. <laughs> okay. Okay. Thanks a lot. You're Thank you. Yeah. Now we go to Les in Corning. Good morning, Les. What's your question for Rick and Jill? Well, I got my California Reaper peppers going. And to my surprise, uh, I planted them February 17th, 7th, and on the 14th, they were all up. Yep. Mm-hmm. And uh, that heat mat worked great. Now, uh, they're in three-inch cups right now. That's where I started them. And they're about 10 inches to a foot tall, looking healthy as could be. And I was hoping to get them straight into the garden, but, well, nature isn't quite ready yet. <laughs> nope. Yeah, I would probably plant those even up into a six-inch pot at this point in time. If you keep them in too small of a pot, they're just going to keep going up, and they're, you're not going to have a very strong stock on those. So I'd put them into about a six-inch pot if you can. Six inches. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you're not going to yeah. be, be planting outside until uh, almost the May long weekend, right? So. But you can start least, moving them out. Yeah. You can start moving them outside. You know, put them in and keep. And especially if it's if it's that warm above ten degrees, put them outside during the day, and that'll help make them stronger too. And, and also harden them off to be prepared to go outside. Right. Right. Okay. Um, now, I think last time you suggested manganese is what they really like yeah. as a fertilizer. Manganese, but calcium especially. Calcium. Calcium is a big one. Okay, and you buy that in a powder form, do yeah. you? Well, you can get it in with a lot of your organic fertilizers. Like the, the the more of the organic ones, they have a lot of calcium in it, along with all the other ones, boron, magnesium, you know, all those okay, kind of I've things. I've got alfalfa pellets. Yep. Uh, do I make a tea out of that? You can make it. That, I, when I grew my tomatoes and peppers, I made a tea, but you can also just mix it in the soil when you plant them, or you can make oh. a tea, either one. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. Make sure you're keeping an eye out for aphids every once in a while, especially if you're bringing them in and out, because aphids love the little peppers, too. Okay. 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 I will do. Thank you very much, and have a great day. You too. You too, Les. Bye. Bye now.
Uh, we'll get to a quick text here before we go to break. Um, this is, we cut our ornamental orange back to 18 inches tall two years ago. When do we need to start to fertilize it? And would we use 30, 10, 10? Yeah, you start, uh, probably what they have is a mock, called a mock orange shrub. Okay. And uh, so what they have is that, yeah, you want to start fertilizing it around May the 10th in that range because that's when, you know, the risk of frost is usually gone by then and yep. the plants are starting to put their fl- their leaves out. So every three weeks, 30, 10, 10, uh, mock orange, probably about four to six liters of water mixed with the fertilizer. It'll tell you how much to put in per liter of water on the instructions mm-hmm. and do that every three weeks until July 15th, August 1st. And you'll be good to go. All right. Lots of growth. That's what they probably want to hear. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we are going to take a quick break and then we'll be back to more of your questions. Cody will get to you uh, first up when we return to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. You're listening to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. I'm Erin McNutt here with Rick and Jill Van Dyvendijk. Still have some time to take your questions. You can give us a call at 1-877-332-8255. Let's start with Cody, who's been patiently waiting for us on the line. Good morning, Cody. What's your question for Rick and Jill? Good morning. Um, my question is, is I, I heard a previous caller call in. They were asking if they should rake their lawn in the spring if they overseeded in the fall. And the uh, short answer was no. But the uh, problem is, is I already raked my lawn. Yeah, no, so I was it will, wondering if I... Yeah, no, sorry, it, go ahead. it won't be a problem at all. Because if you overseeded last fall, the seed is not germinated yet. The only time I don't want to do it is after the soil temperature gets a bit warmer, like after this next week. Then, then you're gonna, the seeds would have germinated and then you would have disturbed them, right? But now you're early enough, you wouldn't have been a problem. Oh, okay. So I don't have to run out and grab some more nope. seed to overseed now. Nope. You're, you're totally <laughs> fine. Great. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thanks, Cody. Uh, we have a question from Karen in, um, they just say the Southwest. Uh, can I add corn gluten to a perennial bed to try to control chickweed? Will it affect any new bulbs that are planted? No, it won't affect any new bulbs. It only affects seeds that are germinating. That's all. It makes okay? seeds sterile is so what it does. Okay. don't want to use it in the garden. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you, you can, you don't want to use it in the lawn if you're going to overseed your lawn. Okay. okay just like the last color is overseeding. You don't yeah. want to use it there because it'll stop the seeds from germinating. But in a perennial bed, shrub bed, all those kind of things are just fine. Yeah. Okay. And remember, it's stopping the chickweed from, from germinating later on. So yeah. anything that's already rooted in there, yep. it's still going to, they spread a lot by the root systems yep. as well, too. So okay. it's not actually going to kill that, but it's going to help prevent the seed from germinating that it might spread so, later. So in your lawn, let's say, with the, pretty soon we're going to see the, the sea of yellow, right? The yes. dandelions. <laughs> and so if they go on to seed, corn gluten works good to stop those seeds from germinating and growing new dandelions, okay? Okay. In the lawn. So that's perfect for that. All right. And they're, uh, they're wondering how much do you actually apply? It'll tell you on the, in the, on the instructions. It says so many pounds per square foot and okay. that kind of stuff. So it says. You actually apply it quite heavily. It's actually, don't, one thing is important with corn gluten though. Don't, don't make a bag go farther than it says on the bag. Okay. Go, go, you can go heavier. It won't hurt. Okay. Cause organic, it's organic. It actually gives fertilizer to the plants as well. Mm. Okay, so if you go, if you say, oh, I'm going to make this bag go a little farther, well, it won't work. Okay. So either go directly as directed or heavier. Okay. Okay. Sounds like a plan. Um, this one is, my well water is high in calcium and magnesium. Do I still need to fertilize with calcium? This is from Donna and Asquith. Yeah, you won't have to if you're if you're high on that, but, you know, there's all the other micronutrients as well, so, you know, so, um, but yeah, if it has a lot of that in there, then you won't need to. 
uh, sometimes you can, if you're watering it all the time, you can you can over <laughs> overdo mm-hmm. that. So sometimes that affects the plants as well. So just watching for you know leaves turning discoloring and all that kind of stuff, and then you'll know uh, if that's a problem that way. But one of the biggest things is make sure you're feeding your plants. I see people come to the garden center like your plants look so beautiful, and it's because we have a fertilizer on tap. We're yeah. feeding them daily. As soon as they take them home and they stop fertilizing them, they'll start not looking as healthy. Mm-hmm. So. And that's and that's outdoor plants all the time. Like you never stop. Mm-hmm. I'm 62 years old. I eat three times a day. What's yes. the deal with that, right? <laughs> so I mean, we'll still the trees. I mean, people are talking about all the pine cones in the in, mm-hmm. the, in the trees right now. Well, they put on a lot of pine cones because they're stressed. Yeah. Either not enough water or too much water or or not enough food. And so if we keep our plants healthy, then they won't produce the huge amounts of seeds. Like like last year, right in front of us, a bunch of the spruce yeah. trees actually snapped off in the wind because there was just so many pine cones. Yeah, on. we had them laying in the parking lot. We had to lay them in the parking lot, right? So if you keep the trees healthy and and you know, with with especially these ones out here, the only water they get is from the rain, right? Yeah. And last year we didn't have much rain, which stressed them, so they produced more seed mm-hmm. to try to reproduce themselves, right? So yeah, that's um, the life cycle of a plant. life cycle. So keep your trees healthy, uh, fertilizing moisture, the right moisture, and and uh, you'll, the tree will love you. Perfect. Um, we have another tree-related question. Um, I have a Manchurian ash with a long frost crack on the west side of the trunk. Yep. Is there anything I can do to prevent this tree from dr- from dying? Also, is there a way that I can prevent these cracks from in the first place? Yes. Put put a tree. It's called a it's a white tree wrap. You okay. Can, it's a, it's a, about four inches wide, and you just wrap it around the trunk for the winter time. Okay. Take it off in the spring. Put it away in the shed and put it back on again in the fall. If you stop that reflection, you get the temperature, stop the temperature changes in the trunk and then you won't get it. You won't get that problem. Also around September the 50th, September the 1st, slow down the watering of the ash. Okay. And then about the end of October, give them one last good watering. That'll make them tougher and get ready for winter time so that they won't get that frost crack. But uh, right now, all you can really do is it'll heal itself up again. Okay. And if you if you put that banding that that tree guard around the tree f- uh, for the winter time, it will heal over and won't keep reopening up. Okay. Okay. All right. So there's still a chance. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, we've had a lot of questions about transplanting, uh, sort of on the text line that we've been answering sort of off and on air. Are there any tips for making sure that your plants actually go from one place to the next? The biggest okay. thing is is make sure you take a nice big root ball when yep. you're doing it and then planting it into a hole that's one and a half times the size and then make sure you're backfilling that hole with good soil. Um, you can add some fertilizer, bone meal um, into the soil and a product that I really love using is a product called Mike and it's a bacteria or mycorrhizome that's going to attach to the roots and going to almost add warts to those roots and it's going to soak up more water, more nutrients and give your plant a better start to the season. And make sure that as soon as the frost out of the ground in the spring, Move the plants. Mm-hmm. Don't mm-hmm. wait Do until the leaves come out. Earlier the better. So right now is a perfect time if you want to move some plants, transplant, split some perennials, all that kind of stuff. Do it right now this and, weekend. And if you have a nice hot day in the summer, do not do your transplanting on those days. That heat <laughs> on them. the roots will yep. stress them out like yep. crazy. Okay. Absolutely. Uh, we have Murray from Strasbourg on the line. Oh, looks like not quite on hold just yet. So we will go to uh, another text here. Um, we have people who are wondering about uh, power raking. Is now a good time, a bad time, and how do you decide? 
perfect time right now. You can get it done now. Most of the, most of the lawns, unless you just got the snow gone, then you might want to wait a week. Okay. But otherwise, yeah, you can, most lawns, you can start now looking around the city. You can pretty much start doing that now. Sock feet on the lawn rule. Yeah. Once your, once your lawn is dry enough that you can walk on the lawn without your socks getting wet. You can power rake it. You can power rake it. Okay. And, uh, if, if they're not sure, like how often should we be doing this? We had a, a text earlier wondering, is it every year, every other year? It just depends. If you, if you fertilize it like lots and get lots of growth and you're cutting your grass like mm-hmm. twice a week, then you're probably going to do it every year. Okay. But if you're just a normal lawn, you're, you probably do it every second year is probably fine. So it all depends on the amount of thatch you got built up in your lawn, really. All right. Uh, looks like Murray is ready to go here. Good morning, Murray. What's your question for Rick and Jill? I have a willow tree that I planted uh, about four years ago. It, it's uh, done well, but this last winter I wrapped it with a snow fence. Yep. Uh, the snow got higher than the fence, and then the rabbits, uh, everything from about four feet up, the rabbits uh, cleaned all the bark off of the uh, the new shoots that have been coming out. Yep. Uh, I was just wondering, if, if uh, should I cut all those? damaged ones off or just let it grow and see what happens with it? You could let it grow and see what happens, but most likely those ones they chewed all the bark off are going to die, okay? So, okay. I mean, you're, there's no hurry because it's going to sprout It's going to sprout new branches from below where the rabbits were chewing, right? And it'll, it'll put new ones out. So if you want, most likely, if all the bark's off of them, you can do other pruning right now because they're not going to make it, okay? Okay. Yeah, that's good then. Okay. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thanks, Murray. Bye. Okay, we can take a quick call from Sue in Silver Park. Sue, what's your question for Rick and Jill? Okay, so I have some really young, I think it's a young blue spruce tree that's about three years old, and it must be about a foot and a half high. I noticed that the top leader is all brown. Yep. The, How does that affect that tree now? They'll be fine, because the buds will be not brown. The buds will be fine on it, okay? The, the okay. new buds at the top. And so they'll just push out new growth in June, and then eventually those needles will fall off that are brown now. But yep. the new new needles from all the new buds will just fill in those spots, and, and it, you won't really even notice it later on okay one more question if i can i think yep. it was related to the call that you, I, I missed the call that just before me i have these uh juliet cherry bushes and i do notice that uh part of the bark was chewed off about three quarters around i did spray it with that tar paint yep. but is it going to survive you think or no? three quarters you might make it but okay. uh it might be a tough one but one thing about the sour cherries they do come up from the base again and start again are they grafted on a different nope, route they're on their own route Okay, perfect. Thank you so much. Thanks, Sue. And that brings us to the end of the show for the week. You've been listening to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME.